0: Welcome to Heart Matters, a show about all aspects of heart health, brought to you in partnership with the Providence Heart Institute and Boston Scientific. The Providence Heart Institute is a leading integrated network of cardiovascular care. With a focus on putting our patients at the heart of everything we do. And we are committed to making a positive difference in every life we touch. As part of that commitment, we are bringing the doctors to you.
1: I'm your host today, Dr. John Wagoner, interventional cardiologist practicing in Olympia, Washington. Joining me today is Dr. Cheyenne Huang, cardiologist with the Providence Heart Institute in Portland, Oregon and Sam Conaway, President of Interventional Cardiology Sales and Chair of the Close the Gap Initiative at Boston Scientific. Hello. We appreciate that both of you joining us today for this important discussion. Uh, I was hoping before we get started that maybe you, you both could tell us a little bit about yourselves, the work you do, and why this topic is important to you.
2: So my name is Sam Conaway, and I am the uh, President of Boston Scientific. And my primary responsibility is to lead the cardiology businesses for Boston Scientific, which are uh, cardiac rhythm management, uh, electrophysiology, interventional cardiology, uh, as well as our structural heart business. Um, My secondary job is to uh, build the strategy um, and uh, put together um, really the action plan Uh, to help uh, with driving more patients to access for care for uh, these disease states that we build devices for. Um, That work is called Close the Gap. We've been doing that work for over 20 years. And um, we're very, very proud of that work because um, it gives us a chance to really go to communities um, and kind of wake them up around uh, the number one killer of men and women, which is uh, heart disease. Um, As an African-American who has many family members that have had this disease or friends, um, I think that uh, one of the biggest challenges is just education, um, knowledge, and uh, really access uh, to care, uh, whether you live in the city, quite frankly, uh, you still have an issue with access to care, or if you live in uh, remote or rural areas. So this is a big passion for us uh, at Boston Scientific. We've committed uh, significant dollars uh, to do this and support this effort, and I'm very proud that we've been able to do this over the last 20 years.
3: Great, Sam. Um, John, um, I'm Cheyenne Huang. I'm a general cardiologist and uh, Medical Director for General Cardiology at uh, Providence Heart Institute in Oregon. Um, my passion around this area um, it stems from the fact that I came to this country as an immigrant. Um, in fact, uh, over 30 years ago, I came here on a full scholarship with the only dollar um, bill that my family had, which was a 100 American dollar bill gifted to my parents from friends they helped um, uh, who knew that I was coming to this country to study. So um, for uh, a, a long time, I was very poor. I was friends with people who, whether they were studying or working, didn't have health insurance, didn't have access to care, they um, had severe health issues. And now, um, three decades later, um, I have been doing a lot of work around um, specialty care transformation, um, managing population, building the medical neighborhood, collaborating with primary care groups um, around Oregon, and yet we're still seeing tremendous disparity despite how expensive American healthcare is. Um, So what can we do uh, as an individual physician? What can we do as a group? What can we do as a system? Um, I'm so glad to have this conversation with you.
1: Well, I'm glad that you asked about that. You, you mentioned um, healthcare care disparities. What are you referring to exactly when you say the disparities?
3: It's interesting coming um, from China um, where the health system is very different is interesting. to It's great to see that we have Amtala uh, law where if you have an emergency situation, um, you can get care. But that doesn't cover uh, chronic disease uh, management, right? So often we see people in the office who they had an acute MI, they got stented, they're put on medicines, they're given one month supply of um, medicines, but then they come to us many months later, sometimes years later, maybe with another heart attack because they couldn't afford to see us in the in clinic and to refill often not very expensive medicines. Um, so, but then we, the society, um, have to pay a huge amount for a, a recurrent event, and the patient, uh, patient's health uh, suffers. Um, so, uh, and and that's not the case for someone else who may have a good insurance, whether through Medicare or Medicaid or through their insurance so that they can have ongoing uh, care or preventative care.
1: Do you, both of you, find that race and ethnicity then play a role in cardiovascular health and, and do you see different diseases that seem to arise in, in different socioeconomic and, and ethnic groups?
2: i think you know clearly there is um a you know huge huge opportunity to understand this piece of it because um this disparities or this health inequity um really when you when you think about the care um there's really not much difference uh in terms of uh, prevalence for different disease states for whites, or Blacks, or females, or, or, or men. Uh, where the disparity is, or the hint, uh, inequity is, is, is how they're treated and the access to the care. Um, so um, I think that's really the focus. Um, and certainly, um, if you look at African Americans, for instance, they suffer from hypertension, uh, a lot of hypertension, which leads to stroke, which can lead to, uh, other things like congestive heart failure and, um, controlling blood pressure, uh, is a real important part of managing your, your health. And so at Boston scientific, one of the things that we do when we're in the community, um, we ask all the patients, do you know your number? Do you know what your blood pressure is? And, uh, oftentimes they don't know, um and when we do community events it is not uncommon for someone to walk in with a blood pressure that is 200 over 100 Uh, so that's your systolic and diastolic pressure which is uh 80 millimeters of mercury too high and uh, obviously that can lead to a stroke so um it is uh, a disease uh again that kills uh all races uh all genders all ethnicities and um Everyone needs to understand where they stand in terms of their healthcare condition as it relates to their heart.
3: Yeah, I want to uh, um, add on to that, um, Sam and John, mm. in the sense that the cause of um, race healthcare disparity, racial disparity, may stem as uh, as subtle as implicit bias to as outrageous as explicit bias or frank racism uh, from the society, from even sometimes our caregivers. Um, I've personally experienced racism on the floor. Um, So, and I can only imagine a frail uh, patient or a patient who has a language barrier, uh, how that person would have been treated if they were confronted by this Person. So, um, but in the middle, I think there's the biology of um, disease states that may be different, depending, as Sam just pointed out, depending on the race or other socioeconomic factors. There could be, um, we think, we say it's patient's lifestyle. Well, maybe it's related to um, their access to healthy food. Right. We know uh, poor people, there are often food deserts where all they can have access is um, fast food or unhealthy food in the uh, kind of corner store instead of a healthy uh, organic or um, uh, farmer's market, which may be out of their price range. So um, I think um as clinicians often we don't think about that we think it's the patient's responsibility to eat healthy to exercise uh, to come to clinic but i think as healthcare systems we can do better
1: you know when i was in medical school i, I know that they kind of taught about um genetic markers or, or genetic uh, predominances of certain kinds of diseases um but I'm, I'm hearing a little bit with both of you that, that probably some social, the some of the, you know, economic factors, the the access, you know, factors are also playing a role, too. Uh, do we have any information about how prominent genetics versus, um, you know, social economic uh, factors play a role? And in, in, let's talk about, Sam, you had brought up the, you know, hypertension. Um, we know obesity, diabetes, and high cholesterol all major components for heart disease, more prominent in in the African-American population. Um, uh, What do we understand about that?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, it's definitely more prominent. And um, I think that, you know, clearly um, diet is a real challenge. And, you know, um, as an African-American, I can say this with a tongue in cheek, we like our fried food. (laughs) We like our fried food and we uh, oftentimes, in the, you know, underprivileged neighborhoods, you know, you have a McDonald's on every corner or or Kentucky Fried Chicken on every corner and you tend to eat there. And that's where you, um, you know, can um, really hurt your um, your cholesterol levels, your blood, um, your, you know, your hypertension, all those things uh, happen um, when you when you do those kind of things or you eat. Uh, or drink, you know, sodas, uh, versus juices and water. Um, you know, you can impact your kidneys. Um, so, um, certainly, um, you know, one of the things that we have tried to do at Boston is if we go into these communities, um, we bring dietitians or diet, dietitian uh, physicians, uh, with us to talk about, um, diet. We, um, spend a lot of time, um, educating people on. Um. How do you get uh, healthy with uh, what you eat? Um, we just did recently did a program um, with uh, the fraternities and um, we talked a lot about um, what you should eat, um, how you should exercise um, and the impact of not doing those things well and what that will do to you. And obesity uh, was rampant in that group. And uh, we all know that um, if you can Uh, curtail your obesity then certainly your heart doesn't have to work as hard and thus um, you don't develop uh, some of the impacts around congestive heart failure. We know that if you eat well you don't build up cholesterol in your arteries and you don't need uh, and then you don't develop uh, blockages in your heart so um, these things are very very important but it's all about education and um, making people aware of the impact of some of the bad habits that um, are part of your Your heritage quite frankly
1: dr huang i know that one of your passions is about um, the differences in ethnic groups with heart failure and i know you've been working on some research in that regard Um, what what makes members of ethnic groups more likely to have you know higher higher risks of heart failure than uh, caucasian counterparts for instance is it a failure to diagnose as early or is it factors in lifestyle that contribute to that difference do you think
3: Yeah, I think it's all of the above, um, right? So the risk factor profile uh, is different and that can stem from socioeconomic status in in terms of where do they live? Does pollution uh, uh, contribute? Diet, um, lifestyle, the uh, life stressors, um, family history, um, cultural uh, norm, um diet pattern and how diet uh may change for certain ethnic groups um that that may be different um you know in in their native country versus um and how that would change after they adopt an american diet and lifestyle um to um the clinicians um, Uh, having the blinders on, the language barrier in terms of um, affecting our ability to obtain a detailed history um, and um, to uh, people's willingness and ability to come to to seek emergency care or chronic care. People's ability to come to follow up clinic visits, whether they have transportation, whether they have social support to bring them um, to um, their ability to get to the pharmacy, to pick up the prescriptions and uh, literacy affects their ability to take the right medicines at the right dosage um, and uh, communication. you know, if they start having symptoms, are they able to communicate with our clinic? Um, navigating the phone system, having an interpreter on the phone, uh, using, uh, now, uh, digital means, my chart. Are they able to navigate that? Um, so all these factors affect the entire continuum of care.
1: Well, let's say somebody uh, on, that's listening to this podcast um, is in one of these groups that we've identified as having a higher risk for cardiovascular disease. What would you recommend, you know, um, that they try to do um, up front before they develop the disease to try to prevent uh, that cardiac disease down the road? Are there screenings that they should begin earlier or lifestyle choices you might that they should reconsider up front?
2: I I think that the most important thing is is making sure that you um, acquire a physician, um, a primary care physician that can, you know, spend time with you to understand um, all of your blood work um, and get a baseline on where you are and really have a discussion on uh, how the numbers impact your life and impact your heart. Um, I think that's one of the most important things. A lot of people today, unfortunately, use the emergency room as their caregiver. And um, the word emergency means most of the time you're going in because you're having an emergent issue. Um, Versus if you were to seek a primary care physician, then you can work with that physician on lifestyle changes, diet, all the things that was mentioned earlier, and prevent um, some of the challenges that um, those lifestyle or eating habits or lack of exercise um, bring forward. So I think the main goal would be to seek uh, a primary care physician.
3: I agree with Sam. Um, Having a primary care physician is the key to address um, uh, your cardiovascular risk factors to maintain uh, chronic disease management. I think uh, uh covid certainly has um um affected our ability to have have events where um we um can have community uh health fairs for example um I used to volunteer at the Asian Health of Affa- Fairs uh in Portland where um you know community volunteers uh caregivers can help um Patients who are maybe before they become our patients to talk about um, blood pressure screening, to talk about blood sugar screening um, and help them navigate the health system. Um, hopefully, um, we'll be able to do more of those in-person events in the future.
1: Healthcare equity and access is, is very important to me as a, as a provider. Um, and one of the things I worry about is you know unconscious bias uh, that I may bring into you know uh, my my care delivery as well. Um, I, I imagine there may be some caregivers and providers that are listening to this podcast today, too. What advice would you have for them to try to to address conscious yeah. bias? Yeah, I think
2: un- unconscious bias is a very challenging thing. And one of the things that we do at Boston Scientific, when we partner, um, with healthcare systems and physicians to understand what the uh, gaps in care are in their different markets. Um, we actually analyze um, through some data data sources that we have around um, how they treat their females versus white males, how they treat um, their people of color versus white males. And oftentimes um, we get a very, very poor response <laughs> because there is a huge gap. And I think, uh, you know, for a physician to um, not want to care for a patient, I don't think that exists. I think there's some things that happen, like when a female, for instance, comes into the ER or to a physician, they complain about chest pain. Um, We all know that the chest pain um, that women feel are often atypical. It's not, you know, from directly over the chest like you know the the heart attack story that you or heart attack scene that you see oftentimes it's arm pain um finger pain jaw pain it could be other things and um because it's not the normal or it's not described like a male oftentimes there's a bias to say okay it's not a heart attack and we don't need to do any further testing And let's maybe even prescribe this patient some anti-anxiety medicine uh, because uh, they're having anxiety, not uh, chest pain, or it's coming from some other source. Um, So I think uh, a lot of that uh, unfortunately happens. Um, And um, I think it happens to females. And I think it happens to um, people of color. Um, I have many stories of family members that have gone in um with chest pain and um they basically did they are basically discounted very quickly that it could be um you know for whatever reason uh chest pain uh that's related to, to heart disease um so it happens i don't think it's uh explicit i think it's you know unconscious bias um and um unfortunately that leads to um access to uh, poor access to care and oftentimes um you know patients not getting the, the, the right care for that disease state. Um, I do believe that um, you know having a system in the hospital that could standardize the care um, for patients that come in like an epic system um, is helpful and some of those systems really help um, with um, you know making sure that um, patients that come in leave with the same care model and I, th- I think those things are very very important uh, moving forward to make sure that you have a standard of care for all the disease states that you face.
3: I think education um, is very important for our caregivers. Um, um, the concept of diversity, equity, and inclusion, we think of it only aff- uh, applying to to us, but it also affects how we take care of our patients. So, uh, in, in Providence, um, across different states, I know there are different caregiver resource groups. They're called, uh, CRG. So that's, uh, one way for us to learn, um, about, um, DEI. Um, and, but, you know, that's not, that doesn't answer all of our uh, questions or, uh, concerns because, you know that alone uh, sets up in fact puts us in different silos based on our race so there needs to be cross um uh, uh dissemination of knowledge and sharing um so that uh we can um train our providers better um i think in uh in our personal lives uh more reading and learning about these topics um, that we weren't necessarily exposed to um, dec- decades ago when we were in medical school um, is important. Um, and uh, having uh, in 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 our EHR, for example, there are um, inform information uh, uh, around. Um, social determinants of health data that's collected. um, And that's the uh, project that I'm working on with my colleague um, to specifically investigate um, the contribution of these factors um, in healthcare uh, delivery and outcome. We do other um, uh, patient education um, outreach. My colleague, Dr. Jamie Beckerman has done a lot of these community engagement and educational programs. My colleague, Dr. Lori Tam, um, does women's health tea um, monthly to um, do educations. So I I would say it's a multi-pronged approach.
1: It sounds like you really have a a, a nicely thought-through and well-developed program there, Dr. Huang. Sam, I know that you're you're um, involved with the Uh, Close the gap initiative at Boston Scientific, as we mentioned at the intro. Um, Could you tell us a little bit more about that and what you're trying to achieve?
2: Yes. Um, You know, our vision is really to have uh, impact um, on all patients, regardless of gender, age, race, or ethnicity, or social, um, economic status, and sexual orientation. Um, We want to make sure that um, we uh, expose really the condition of uh, heart disease um, and the risk factors for heart disease uh, to all people and um, create an opportunity for them to get access to care uh, so that they can live a better life. Um, Health inequity um, is a huge issue um, and it's um, not really improved very much um, over the years, despite a lot of the work that we've tried to do. And I know a lot of the, the healthcare systems around the world are trying to do. Um, the main goal really is empowering uh, our healthcare providers um, in increasing awareness um, and even um, focus um, um, all races on the importance of participating in clinical trials. Um, so we uh, do clinical trials specifically for women and people of color because historically Um, They only represent about 2 to 5% of clinical trials. And that's a very small percentage. And one of the things that we are passionate about is we want to understand how our devices work on everyone, not just white males. Um, So uh, really Close the Gap is all about uh, getting access to care, education, waking up the community, um, making sure that people get exposed to really the impact of uh, heart disease and how that can impact your life.
1: Thanks very much. If if access to care is an issue for someone that falls into a high risk category, what do you suggest that they do? Or where can they go for resources and screenings and and such?
3: I think, as I said earlier, um, community health fairs, um, uh, community centers, um, cultural centers, employer group um, uh, screening um, uh, opportunities, uh, establishing care with a primary care physician. um, These are all um, resources. One comes to you.
2: And and for Boston Scientific, obviously, we have a a website that uh, people can access BostonScientific.com. We also have uh, CloseTheGap.com. You can go on that uh, website we have a ton of resources uh, on the website really explaining some of the challenges uh, with access to care and also talks about the impact of uh, heart disease uh, on um, all patients and um, I think that um, clearly um, you know seeking a a primary care physician is is absolutely critical and um, in some of the websites you can Um, Get the names of physicians that specialize in heart disease uh, or just, um, you know, specialize in taking care of uh, patients general health. So I think accessing those things uh, are important. And uh, again, the Boston Scientific uh, website is one or the Close the Gap uh, website uh, also uh, will give you a lot of education on um, this particular issue.
1: I'm really glad to hear, Sam, that uh, Boston Scientific is putting this front and center for their organization. And and I'm going to also tell our listeners that we plan to talk more about um, some of Providence's initiatives when it comes to health equity in a later podcast as well. Uh, Just to the both of you, thank you so much for being here today. Is there anything else about barriers to care and health equity that we haven't discussed that you feel like our listeners should know?
3: I think um, uh, I want to add something uh, actually a, a, a couple of things. One is um, digital technology. Um, um, when um, you know, when the pandemic hit, I was very happy that the health care uh, industry responded rapidly um, by pivoting to virtual care thinking this the, this is a great tool to possibly reduce some of the barriers to care for uh, remote patients, for patients who are elderly, um, who have transportation issues. But really the data suggests quite the opposite. Um, digital healthcare widened the um, disparity in care because uh, people who are at a higher socioeconomic state status had better access to technology and better ability to navigate technology and thereby better um, care. So how can we narrow that? Um, I think the payers have a role in this. uh, Policy um, uh, has a role uh, in the sense that our payment system favors encounter-based care, instead of, um, uh, more longitudinal value-based care. Um, so what if instead of the insurance or the government spending a lot of money to, um, transport a patient from a skilled nursing facility to our clinic, just to see me for 20, 30 minutes, um, we, um, provide them, uh, with a, uh, iPad or another device so that their um, nursing assistant could get them online to have the visit with me? Um, and can we have shorter but more frequent visits to help adjust patients' medicines and advance their care outside of office space, in-person, in person encounter based um, care? So I think as, uh, as an industry, um, we need to be involved in advocacy, in uh, involved in payment model redesign, um, in um, how uh, care is incentivized and organized, how operations are set up in our offices.
1: I'm glad you brought up virtual care. Dr. Huang, I, I encountered the same thing, and, I, and I'll and i point out as well that um, groups that we even, haven't even talked about today, the elderly, um, a group that may not be um, very comfortable with technology, um, uh, I found my patients that lived in rural areas may not have access to good internet service, for instance, and that right. also gave, you know, made their access to healthcare, um, you know, compromised during that time too. So thank you for bringing those things up sam any any final thoughts as well
2: yeah i i I really like what dr wong said and i I think this empowerment of the healthcare provider is is very important and um you know one of the things that i think um if you are a clinician listening to this podcast i think there is um something you can do to really help um, with your cultural competency um you know i think there's some things that Clearly, um, you could um, work on, um, as you encounter patients of color, um, patients from different ethnic backgrounds, um, just spending that quality time with them to really um, try to get uh, and understand what's going on with the patient um, is is critical to making them feel comfortable. Um, We did some things uh, over the years where we would have um you know an african-american physician talk to an african-american patient um, and then a white physician talk to an african-american patient oftentimes there's just differences in the way um, they can speak to them to make them feel more comfortable so maybe spending some time to study uh, some of those cultural differences and uh, gain some competency there uh, would be very helpful Um, i think um, clearly there is an opportunity also for us to understand um, the data around these inequities and these disease burdens uh, that exist in the different communities. And um, it always baffles me how we talk about the emerging markets uh, around the com- around the uh, around the world, and um, with these access to care issues that exist, or inequities and gaps in healthcare. This is an emerging market right, right in, in the United States. And um, there are plenty of people with uh, health care um, uh, that they have health care uh, privileges uh, or health care that they uh, have and they can see physicians, um, but they just don't go to the doctor. And so I would just say to the patients that are listening to this, please go to the doctor. Um, it is important, um, even if you don't feel bad. Or you think you're in the greatest health ever um, go see the doctor do it once a year um, and get uh, you know an exam Um, make sure you're having um, all of your tests at uh, the different ages um, like 50 and 60. Um, There's a a test you can do called the CTA Um, if you are having some chest pain which is a pretty benign test um, to look at your uh, coronary arteries and the function of your heart. Um, you can have an EKG. There's so many different non-invasive tools um, that you can have to kind of get a baseline on where you are. I think it's important for you to do that. So um, that those are the things that I think uh, would be helpful from the caregiver side and also from the patient side.
1: Well, thanks to the both of you, um, it's been a great discussion, and I'm really glad that we're we're starting to talk, you know, openly about these things because that's really the first step to trying to overcome them as a as a uh, healthcare organization and as a society as well.
2: Yeah, I think it's very important. Uh, this communication, open communication, dialogue um, is critical because you know we're not here to um, you know cause anyone to feel bad it's uh, more or less to uh, help people understand that there is a difference the way people are treated in the united states and if we could have equality there um, it's only the best for the patients um, and also society so um, the reason why we do it at boston scientific is really to get uh, health care equity in the united states
0: Thank you for joining us today on this important topic on Heart Matters. We look forward to continuing the important conversation on heart health and wellness with more experts from Providence in future episodes. Make sure you listen to all of our shows on Dash Radio under Future of Health Radio or your favorite podcast platform and follow us on social media. We can be found on Twitter and Facebook at Providence and on Instagram under Providence Health Systems. To learn more about our missions, programs, and services, go to providence.org. And for more information on Boston Scientific, visit bostonscientific.com. And please remember, the information provided during this program is for educational purposes only. You should always consult your health care provider if you have any questions regarding a medical condition or treatment. Thanks for listening. And remember, at Providence, we see the life in you. Mm-hmm.